Well, welcome, church family. Uh, as we've been doing the last several Sundays, we've been letting you into this little sermon review where three of us from the church uh, will review and talk about uh, some of the truths that were in the sermon we just heard. Before we begin, I just wanted to share a couple thoughts from my devotions this morning. We're filming this on Saturday. I read Psalm 75 today, and uh, verse 3 jumped out to me. It said, When the earth totters and all its inhabitants, it is I who keep steady its pillars. So we've been seeing with the coronavirus, uh, both health concerns and economic uh, problems uh, through the coronavirus outside all of our control, basically. And we see the earth and its inhabitants tottering, and it is a comfort to know that God is in control. Yes. And he will uh, keep things together uh, until his good time according to his plan. And then verse 7, it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. As we think about unjust world rulers and political figures that we like or loathe, uh, it's helpful to know that God puts people up, uh, and that does not condone their injustice or their bad behavior, uh, but we can trust that God's in control of that as well. And that should affect, certainly we speak out about uh, injustice where we see it and we try to be involved in salt and light as Christians, but that should give us great comfort, both when we see the health crisis going on around us and the economic crisis unfolding from that, as well as just the conflict and uh, whether it's nations in conflict with each other or uh, us within our own political system, that can be a comfort to us. Well, you just heard uh, Kyle preach a Palm Sunday uh, sermon from uh, Luke, and uh, today we're going to unpack that, and we'll let you in on this little sermon review. I'll start out here introducing folks. Obviously, we have Kyle, the pastor of Preaching and Vision here at Faith Family Church. I'm, I'm Dan Herbster. I'm one of the elders here, uh, his uh, partner in crime, if you will. And then we have Kent Shepard, who is a faithful uh, teacher here at our church, small group leader, um, and uh, uh, we, he's a great asset to us. He's preached for us here before, and so we were going to invite him in on this. And the first thing I'm going to ask, uh, I'm going to start with Kent and ask him some of the things he appreciated about Kyle's sermon. Kent? Okay, so first off, um, Pastor Kyle, great sermon. Um, it really is exactly what I needed today. So. Um, I like how you broke it down and you had really the, the threes and the smiling, sobbing, um, <laughs> slinging tables, the, the cold, the lamb, the lion, the happy, sad, and angry. So just use them all. Yeah, just use them all. Yeah, 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 it was great. And it gave me a lot of images in my mind as you were going through the sermon. Um, one of the comments you made that I kind of took away as being very impactful was when you said that um, he was not the king that everybody wanted, but he was the king that everybody needed. And I think, you know, as we kind of peel back and look at that, a lot of folks don't even know that they need this king. They don't even know that they have a problem, that they have offended a holy and righteous God. And they're, they're looking at this world, and currently right now with this pandemic, thinking that their answers are going to be solved by the government. And, and even if we're to solve COVID-19 today, it still doesn't fix our greatest problem, our greatest need, which is salvation from our sins. Yes. So fantastic. Um, great sermon, the triumphal entry. I was so blessed by it. And I wanted to share a couple things that I particularly appreciated. Uh, one thing was just a, a little way that you connected the New Testament passage you were expositing with the Old Testament as well, and drawing out how you really needed to know, at least briefly, the backstory from the Old Testament to truly understand the significance of this uh, seemingly innocuous event of uh, Jesus riding in on a donkey and how that fulfilled it. And it just reminds me, as, as many folks are don't want to go through the trouble of unpacking the Old Testament, or they just want to ignore it or unhitch it, as we've heard recently, that there's, and it's important, we need both Testaments, and even when you preach from the New, you need to, to make sure that you draw those connections to the Old Testament and the ongoing plan of God. 
And then the second, just that account of uh, where, where the Pharisees tell Jesus to silence the crowd, silence his disciples. And he said, listen, if I, even, if I did, the very rocks would cry out. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just reminds me that the purpose of the universe is to bring glory to God. Uh, and that's our purpose as, as human beings. And we're never going to truly uh, feel uh, peace and satisfaction until we align our life goals with that purpose for which we were created. Uh, with that, I'll go ahead, Kyle. Anything to add on uh, respond to on any of those uh, points? No, uh, just maybe one thing. Not on those points, though, but connected. Uh, today at one o'clock, uh, today Sunday at one o'clock, Matthew is putting up a reading plan so the church family can begin on Palm Sunday and end on Resurrection Sunday and read a portion each day. So you'll see that you'll see that coming up. Uh, one o'clock today. In a sense, you could f- literally follow the footsteps follow, of Jesus during the, during the Passion Week. Yes. Exactly. All right, well, I'll go into a couple of questions here uh, as we discuss. Uh, first of all, Kent, and then Kyle, I'll give you a chance to respond. Uh, Kent, uh, here we see that uh, Christ is misunderstood. Kyle touched on this, that uh, one of the takeaways here is that Christ is often misunderstood. One that came to my mind is that many people, even if they do have any see any value in studying Jesus, it's merely to make them a better person by his example. Uh, why, why, is this, why does this fall short of appreciating Christ for who he truly is? And what are some other ways that people misunderstand Christ? Okay, so um, I have to answer this question from a theological standpoint because ultimately it's a theological problem. Um, throughout the history of the church, there's been a lot of theologians, scholars that have advanced theories of the atonement. Why did Jesus have to die? And there's been a lot of theories advanced. One of them is the moral influence theory. And they, they look at him, you know, coming and serving and living and dying as an example for us to improve our lives, essentially, in a nutshell. Yes. Um, there's a ransom theory, which kind of misses the mark, and, and it claims that his death was to pay a ransom to Satan. Um, and that doesn't quite answer it either. Kind of like the C.S. Lewis imagery in, in Line Works in the Wardrobe, which I love, by the way. Right, exactly. That, that's a great example. Then there's a satisfaction theory, which the Roman Catholics have, which, which gets closer, but doesn't quite get there. And so when we get down to it from a theological perspective, it's penal substitutionary atonement. It is Christ coming to take the penalty for our sins, to be the substitution to atone, to make us right before God. You know, he died for us. And so as we look at Jesus, it's not just an example of self-sacrifice, of him giving or living a good life and doing all these great and wonderful things. That He did do those things, and certainly he is an example, but ultimately he came to die for our sins. And we have to wrap our minds around that, that substitutionary death on our behalf, for us to really understand why he came to live and die. Uh, yeah, misunderstanding Christ, I, mean, I think you hit it as well. Uh, practical level, just viewing Jesus as example, mm-hmm. uh, viewing Jesus as a helpmeet instead of viewing Jesus as savior, mm-hmm. viewing Jesus as king. He certainly is those other things, yes. but you can't appreciate any of those things if, if you're still lost in your right. sin. And that's just something uh, I know as one of the elders here, we seek to try to do regularly is clear up misunderstandings about Jesus uh, and, and helping people understand why they truly need the real Jesus. So um, a, a question, you know, for our people, if they're meeting with people, often it's, they ask, um, do you know Jesus as your Savior? You know, if they're witnessing to mm-hmm. people. When they say yes, a good follow-up question is, uh, with which Jesus? Mm-hmm, because right. our culture has so many different Christs. And it'd be really good to make sure that the Jesus they have accepted is the actual biblical Jesus and not the American Jesus. 
because those are those are two different ones. Or like Talladega Nights, Baby Jesus, yes. Ninja Jesus, yes. or Spider Monkey Jesus. Anyway, yes. yep. Sorry, I had to throw in that pop culture <laughs> reference because Kyle didn't use enough pop culture references today <laughs> in his sermon. So, all right, Kent, uh, Kent. Question two. Uh, Kyle's sermon made it very clear that because the scripture passage made it very clear, Jesus did not come the first time to solve all the problems of the world. Mm -hmm. We still have injustice, we still have disease, we still have uh, tragedy and abuse. Uh, how can that actually be a comfort to people? Uh, you know, I talk to people, whether it's in the military or out, they just have a hard time even believing in the concept of God, let alone Jesus, uh, because they see uh, terrible things around them in the world. Their moral intuition is correct, the world is messed up, but they, they blame God for that. Okay. So there's been some brilliant minds throughout the history of the church that have grappled with this very question. We call it the problem of evil. Um, and, and the folks that um, are more theologically minded, they're called theodicists, and it's a theodicy. This is, this is an argument against the problem of evil in defense of the inherent goodness of God. Um, so that's, that's kind of the baseline. I've thought through it several times before because all sorts of people will come to me and they will object. Well, if God is good, how come death exists? If God is good, how come babies die? How come there's wars? How come there's calamities, earthquakes, you name it, tsunamis? I mean, there's always that, that ongoing problem of evil that we see around us, the problem of death. And um, as I kind of alluded to last week, um, it, you know, it's because of the fall. It's because of the fall of man, because of sin entering the world, that death has come along with it. So the only way to answer those objections is to have a biblical theology of the fall and to understand the reconciliation that God has been progressively throughout human history seeking humanity, revealing to us that our ultimate need was him. Our ultimate need was going to be fulfilled in Christ dying in the cross to die for our sins. Once we get that right, we understand that we've got a future hope. Mm where there is no death, where there is no sin, where there is no disease, where there is no decay, we've got a future hope for eternity. And in that, we can just rest. We can rest in Christ. That's good. That's good. Uh, you, he's hitting the theological so well, so let me go with the practical. Exactly. Uh, One-two punch. People are wanting the uh, practical, people are wanting the, in the text, a, a political Christ. Mm. You know, that's what they were looking for, a political Christ. Uh, what are some things here? I'm kind of taking a roll with. What are sure, some things? Go ahead. That, you, you take over my job. We do. Have some, what are some things here we do uh, to make sure that doesn't happen? One of them, we are super patriotic. I mean, we have people that are serving in yeah, the US my, Army. my shoulder here. I mean, we are America. super patriotic, but we don't we don't have American flags mm -hmm. on, on the platform because we don't think that the house of God is just a house of one nation, as the text said, it's it's a house for for all nations. So uh, there are things that that we do here to make sure uh, we're not presenting Christ as a political revolutionary, but as a substitute. Yeah, and I know as someone who has been involved in politics in the past and thinks it's important, uh, I encourage Christians to get involved. I encourage them to be humble about it um, and to, to, to do their homework on a variety of issues and not be smug. Um, but it's 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 great to be salt and light in that uh, field when you uh, are a good testimony. And some call God calls some to be more involved than others. But I just know that when you and I are both very sensitive about anything that addresses a political issue, not because we want to hold back uh, important truth, but because we understand that good Christians can come down on very different uh, places politically. Now we we should all agree that we should apply the gospel to our politics. Um, but, uh, you know, the ultimate, uh, we should, and we should be involved in politics to try to have as much liberty and justice in this world as possible until Christ comes. 
Um, but that is never our solution. Christ did not come to be a political yes. savior. Now, abortion, we would all agree. Right. Mm -hmm. Things that should be clear from yes. the scripture, we're going to be others, clear. Others yeah. are not. So I, I would have a real problem with the church singing a, a, a song to America on a Sunday morning, which happens all the time, every July 4th. I agree. You know, oh, I, I, and I've been a... To America... You know. I've been a flag-waving little patriot since I was a little boy, but I, I still I don't think it's a good idea in church. And I know that like a lot of folks from very traditional backgrounds just are appalled by that. And it's not because I'm not patriotic. I just uh, I just don't think it's appropriate for for uh, the church. Now we as individual Christians, um, I think I think uh, a uh, patriotism that is obviously not blind loyalty can be very healthy. Yes. So, yes. Anyway, uh, third question. Uh, maybe a little bit less uh, theological or, and, or philosophical here. Uh, but Kyle talked about the fact that Jesus is offensive. The Pharisees were offended uh, in this passage from the very beginning. They were jealous of the, the crowd's admiration for him. They were threatened. They felt like their status was threatened. Uh, they were opponents for him almost from the very beginning. There was many in the crowd who were saying Hosanna and giving him great honor who uh, at the, by the end of the week would be calling for him to be crucified because their expectations weren't met. Uh, so Jesus is often offensive. Why is that? And what should we Christians do about that, the fact that many people find Jesus so offensive? Hmm. So I think that um, within our human nature, we all desire our own autonomy. Um, whether or not we admit it, we are very prideful beings. We want to accomplish and achieve, and we want to build up Coming to the cross, there's no accomplishments. There's no achievements that we can claim for ourselves. There's nothing that we can do and say, yes, I earned that. I did it. You're coming to the cross saying, Lord, I'm handing you my sins. Lord, you, you died for me. And I'm coming to you knowing that I, I, my sins put you there on the cross. So uh, I think that, that the people have to wrestle with that and come to the fact that they're not autonomous, that they're, they're not infinite, that they're not immortal, that they've got a God that they have to reckon with. And he has paid the price to die for their sins. And that's where they have to really come to reconciliation and salvation. That's good. Um, I'm going to hit it from two different angles here. Uh, country and rap, okay? So country music, there's a song, Jesus Take the Will. And then uh, Tupac has a rap song called Ghetto Gospel. And both are using the name of Jesus Christ um, and, and gospel. Uh, but neither one of them are the gospel of the Bible or the Jesus of the Bible. And so you can have two segments of society that have their own Jesus. I mean, they will even uh, a Jesus with white skin and a Jesus with black skin. And, and so we're creating this Christ to look like us because we will not worship anyone who doesn't look like us. You know? And so I just think a lot of people are going to be surprised when um, they see a Middle Eastern man sitting on the throne when we go there. I mean, it's not blue-eyed and, and blonde hair. So Christ, Christ is, is the Christ of the Bible is offensive. And, and I, don't, I don't know the, some of the sermons we hear, some of the songs that are written. They can't be getting the information from the scriptures to present that Christ because that Christ is not in the scriptures. And, if, and there were people on that day saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, as Jesus was coming in, and then later saying, crucify him, crucify him. We are foolish if we don't think there are people in our church that are singing the Getty song and then recanting Christ later. I mean, 
that can happen, and, and that should scare us. Mm -hmm. That should make us aware that we as believers can misunderstand this Christ. Uh, one of the one of the formidable prayers in my life was super simple, uh, but I remember praying, God, if you show me truth, I will obey it, even if it's super uncomfortable for me. Mm, and I remember I, God started to reveal some things about his character. God started to re reveal some doctrinal things that I was uncomfortable with. God started to reveal some things, uh, and, and it was just it was, it was powerful. I think that would be an encouraging prayer for all of our church family to pray revealed to me the character and person of Christ, and we will submit to it. Great. Well, thank you both, uh, and thank you, church family. Hopefully this has been a helpful time for you, and hopefully we're modeling uh, for you here that it is okay to ask questions about yes. the teaching of God's Word and about the Scriptures. We hope that you're questioning it. Hopefully, if you're gathered as a family, you can have your own little version of this where you talk about things that you appreciate or things that uh, you feel like you want to change in your life because of this, or just... Uh, have a good discussion about that. That's what uh, Christian discipleship is all about, talking about the scriptures together. And if you ever do have questions or objections or concerns, please, would you reach out to one of the elders, uh, Kyle or myself, or a small group leader, or, or one of the many strong Christian women we have in this church. Reach out to them and get those questions addressed. Trust, trust us, we love nothing more than to talk about the scriptures and theology. That's, that's, that is the best part of our job, trust me. So with that, we hope this is a profitable time. We love you guys and we're praying for you. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.